Hello and welcome to the Ramen Profitable Podcast. My name is Atish Mazumdar and I'm here with my co-pilot, the great and powerful Chris Scott. And this is the podcast about testing out your ideas, taking your first steps, and really overcoming those obstacles on the way to entrepreneurship. Enjoy. My morning routine has just gotten too complicated and I think I need to simplify uh, because there's only a certain amount of hours that I can take my dog to the park before it gets too hot. So right. that has to be a certain, like that's in a few hours. And then, uh, you know, I've been getting into the, the meditation pretty heavy because uh, trying to manage that stress and all that kind of stuff. But that has to happen before anyone's awake because otherwise then I'm too fucking distracted and my dog is doing this and Tori's doing that. And, you know, there's some guy who's mowing someone's lawn really loud outside. So like that has to happen first. Uh, and then I'm also trying to be better about my nutrition. Um, so, but like, I've realized I haven't been eating enough recently. So I've, so now I'm like, I'm on a schedule of when I have to eat. So that has to happen. Also, I have to be drinking enough water. And of course I have to go to the gym and at the gym now, it's open, which is great, but it's open at 25% capacity by reservation. So you need to like reserve a spot, uh, on an app, which just to digress for a little bit is like, I actually think that's a remarkable pivot. Like what they did to, to kind of make sure things work sort of right. in this new landscape. It's like, okay, we're going to do 25% occupancy. And then when somebody fired back the question, well, how are you going to make sure you're at 25%? Like you have to like complete continually walk around the club and like count people. That seems kind of weird. They just responded by, oh, well, we already have an app. We'll just have people check in on the app. And once it fills in for that hour slot, you can't check in during that time period anymore. It's like, ah, oh, that's pretty remarkable or like not remarkable, but that's a pretty uh, elegant solution, I'd say. Yeah, and it seems like a, something that should continue. So you're not always at an overcrowded gym or an empty gym where you know when to go, you know. Right, it's it's because, you know, for people such as myself where it's like I, you know, I like scheduling it the day before. Like I have my time slot for this hour from the night before. It's like I actually wouldn't mind if that continued uh, post-COVID, you know. It's like maybe we don't have to wear masks anymore because right now we're all wearing masks in the gym, which people complain about. I don't really see why, but... Because people are dumb. I'm not going to get into it. You know what I mean? It's like, I I don't see how it, like, even if it doesn't benefit many, it certainly doesn't harm me any to be wearing one while I'm doing stuff. So, you know, I don't get it. Don't want to get into a big argument with anyone about it. Um, today, there was a guy who, like, wasn't wearing a mask. And then when someone came over and told him to wear a mask, he, like, put it on, but only put it on, like, over his mouth, not over his nose and shit like that. And it's like, who cares? But whatever. Not going right. to get into a thing about it. Everyone can have their own frustrating, annoying personal choices. That's totally fine. Um, but yeah, but uh, so I like the system. But as a result of that, like my morning got kind of scrambled because I was like, okay, let me reserve a spot, but let me make sure I reserve it late enough in the day to where I'll take my dog to the park first and like do all this kind of stuff. So I just had too much shit going on. So uh, I was a little backlogged this morning. I just hopped out of the shower, which like arguably I probably should have done earlier in the day. I don't know. Things things are weird. <laughs> things are things are weird. A lot of moving parts. But how are you, man? How was your week? Uh, it was pretty uneventful week. I didn't really do much. I just uh, wrapped up the mummy screening, and mm -hmm. I haven't done much since because there's nothing else going on. Yeah, I mean, I also I think like there was a fair amount of like composure and effort built into that, like a lot of marketing, and then probably also like tracking numbers and all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like there's a fair amount into that. So it's like you need some time to decompress, like. For myself, uh, I'm taking a week of vacation time because I realized I've only taken two days of vacation this year so far. Wow. And now we're going to be hitting like the end of this quarter when all the business needs to ramp up and stuff so we can post our quarterly results for the shareholders and all that shit. Um, so and that's, that's when you're taking your vacation? No, 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 no. Directly afterwards. So the end of this quarter is uh, September 30th. And then after that, the first week of October, I'm taking off because I have not taken enough vacation this week. So that is, or this year rather. So that is to say, you know, you just need some time. Give it yeah, some time. Just take and, some time. Yeah. Yeah. We did have a little uh, regroup, a little uh, recount of what happened and how we are approached everything. So mm -hmm. hopefully we can uh, 
modify that even more, what we learned from that marketing train. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that there was a lot. Um, it, midweek, you sent me a, a meme from uh, Vile of the Wolf that I <laughs> I liked a whole lot. and uh, But uh, it made me realize that as a just because I am not an actor, I don't act. It made me realize that I don't realize what I'm doing with my face while I'm doing stuff. Because I was like, you know, that probably wasn't the feeling of the scene that we were trying to convey. Uh-huh. Uh, and and I can't tell if it's just that I'm being psychologically misled by because of course there's text like it's a meme so there's text on it so i can't tell if it's just that i'm being like persuaded by the text that that corresponds with the way that my face looks but it's like my face looks like it corresponds more with the lines in the meme than it does with the actual lines that were being read during that scene you know what i mean well it's like a freeze frame though you can't really because it's you're moving it's a a still from a video so like it's it's you're you're somewhat somewhat being manipulated to express something that's not really uh, was okay. originally expressed. I mean, that's how memes work. You make weird faces. Yeah. I guess I won't be too, uh, be too, uh, hard on myself then because, uh, I, uh, I was, I was like, man, I, I didn't realize that my face looks more like I'm like emoting uh, or I guess like fondness or, or even just like amazement as opposed to, I guess, like, uh, anger or aggression or whatever was supposed to actually be going on in that scene. I was like, wow, my face is not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it was doing it. You did a good job. It was wow. there. Thanks, man. Um, well, uh, I don't really have any wins or learns from this. Well, actually, I do have something, but I would rather save that analysis um, for maybe next week. I have something that could be dubbed a tish is too um not analytical but i'm too uh nervous or i'm too yeah i guess analytical a tish is too analytical because i had two conversations that happened this week one that was very positive and one that was not even negative but just very like neutral or said that there had to be you know stuff that occurred uh-huh. and uh i like completely lost my composure and tori suggested that i just don't take negative feedback all that well so that's tough as a tough one. It's a tough one. So so I think, uh, you know, next week I'd like to get into receiving negative feedback, how to handle yourself well, how to like correct for things or how to how to really respond to those sorts of things. And I'd also like to hear your take on on kind of what happened this past week and see what that's about. But as alluded to from last week. I kind of wanted to get into something a little bit more conceptual with you and hear your thoughts both as a creative and as a uh, small business owner, I guess you could say. Because I don't know if those two, and and maybe you could tell me, do those perspectives kind of sometimes differ to you or are they always generally in line? As a, a, it's a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough one. I feel like they mostly just align. I don't know. Okay, maybe maybe you'll uh, on this particular subject. This is a particular subject, and maybe you'll uh, you'll see if you align or if you end up deferring based on whichever end you're on. Um, but I was just really curious to figure this out. But this was all brought up by uh, me listening to a band that I hadn't listened to in a long, long time. Is this the band you brought up last week? It is. Did you do any uh, background research? I uh, found them on Spotify. Yeah. And I, and I played one song from each year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and so did you kind of see what I was talking about? That Yes. They definitely have evolved. Yeah. So, over okay. the years. Yeah. Yep. So this is kind of what I was, what I was thinking about. And I was thinking about this just because of uh, our relation to COVID and how that's changing things, but then also how many disruptions that you and I have now seen in our lifetime, right? Like, they're the obvious ones, like Uber, right? Where it's, you know, um, Uber completely changed the way that we get, you know, uh, transportation uh, that we call for cabs. Uh, I mean, I even remember turning 21 and still using yellow cabs or, or green cabs or the eco ones, the, the ones yeah, with the yeah. Priuses. So they're always like, cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fourth Ave, uh, what were the, what were those called? Fourth Ave? They weren't discount cabs. Were they? Maybe they, they might've been discount cabs. 
either way, I still remember that being the protocol when I first turned 21. Like when I first turned 21, we would still go outside of the bar and just like, you know, try and get a cab because they'd always be circling. Uh-huh. Now that's just like never the case. It's it's yeah. just Ubers that are coming and picking people up. It's just rideshare apps. Um, so we know that there are like major disruptors like Uber, but we also know that then there are other ones that kind of ride the surf like Lyft. And I'm sure Lyft is, is um, it's a very popular, it's very, uh, and I'm sure they're also seeing a lot of success themselves, but they certainly were kind of riding the surf of Uber, unless I have it backwards. I'm not sure which one came first, actually. I think Uber came first, then Lyft. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen that pretty often. So this was all stuff that was brought up by me listening to this band that I hadn't listened to in a long time because they put out this new song uh so the, the band is called Bring Me the Horizon, and they've been around since 2006. So that's a long time for a band, I feel like, these days. Unless you're some kind of mega star like uh, Taylor Swift or uh, who's another like massive person? Uh, massive, man. Uh, that, that's a band. Like, like well, a, well, not even a band, but like Kanye West. He's been around for a long time. Kanye West has been around for a while. Yeah. But he's like massive, massive. That's that's huge, right? So I feel like unless you're in that like god level tier of of musician, performing artist, or even you know actor like Tom Hanks, he's been around for a long time. He's massive, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Despite my personal feelings on Mr. Hanks, um, or or you know people of that ilk, like they can be around for a long time. But if you're a band um, that's sort of maybe even playing big shows or something like that, but to be around for 15 years. Uh, is or or they've been around since 2004 actually so they've been around for 16 years that's a long time that's a long time for a performing artist um, and especially to kind of stay in the in the frame or like one being one of the main performers of the genres that they've existed in that's pretty huge and what I found kind of remarkable about this is that um, they uh, always seem to be about two to three years ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the, that's the sweet spot, right? It, and mind you, this is totally unfounded. I've just been thinking about this because of this band. Uh, so I would love your, your input on sort of these things that I've discovered. But I figured out that they were just two to three years ahead of each trend each time they evolved their sound. And I think that if you're five to 10 years ahead of the curve, nobody will understand what you're doing, right? Like, like, I think that that might be a lot of what goes on with Tesla, for instance. Right. Is that, like, they're, it's just too far in the future, like, Neuralink, tunneling under Los Angeles, like, all this kind of stuff. It's, like, that's that's five to ten years in the future, so I have no idea what he's doing. Like, no idea. Outside of the cars. I get the cars. The cars are here right now, and they're eco-conscious, and they're electric as opposed to using fuel, uh, so they're getting us off of petroleum. That part I understand, right? Like that part I get. Right. It's the the tunneling under LA, the Neuralink stuff, even some of his space program stuff. It's like, I, it's way too futuristic. I don't understand what he's doing. And since he's an engineer type or whatever, he gets people to bet on the future. That kind of more makes sense for his market. But if you were five to 10 years ahead of your time in film or in... Uh, uh, like art, painting, or whatever, or even um, music, I feel like you, that's too far, right? Like, I feel like people don't get your stuff and your whole career can go on without, without people understanding you. Right, or you, for people to understand, you have to, like, pass away suddenly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, like, post-mortem, people get it. They're like, oh, I guess he was a genius. Yeah, like, like how many times do we hear that about uh, artists specifically, like painters and stuff like that? Like, oh, he was way ahead of his time. And you only appreciate them after they're gone as yeah. opposed to, you know. So I think that's the symptom of being too far ahead of your time. Now, the other extreme would be uh, being just like six months. I think at that point, you're lumped in with the curve. You're lumped in with the trend, right? Like by now, if you're just starting on doing TikTok stuff, which I don't know anything about TikTok stuff. Neither do I, but it's too late exactly it's too late yeah Yeah. that's that that was exactly what i was going to ask you is i was going to say if you are a creative type and you want to bring attention to your brand or you want to start doing you know videos or whatever it is 
you know, starting TikTok, TikTok now seems like a little bit of a mistake, right? Because uh-huh. it's like nobody's going to be able to distinguish you from anybody on TikTok. It's it's too huge. Right. Okay. So yeah. that was kind of my thoughts around that. That's like, so I feel like two to three years is sort of the sweet spot. The people who were really committing to making a YouTube channel, you know, a couple of years ago, I feel like are really solid right now because they've built up the consistency and stuff like that. And now that's the time, or maybe even that's true for TikTok. I don't know if TikTok was around two to three years ago. Yeah, how old is TikTok? I I I agree. I feel like um, I think what you're trying to get at with the six months thing is that it's not that you're it's too late or you're behind the curve. It's you're not setting the trend anymore. You're just you're a follower now, mm, and you're mm-hmm. and you're playing catch up, and you're not really defining who you are. You're defining yourself with other people's definitions. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think that's probably a better. That's a much more accurate to what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, per usual, you're able to take my ramblings and and make them into a into a concise statement. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's it's you know because now people would be trying to uh, hit the same notes in their TikToks or in their Instagrams or in their you know YouTube videos. They're trying to hit the same notes that other people have done. Uh, as opposed to developing their own persona and developing how they can use this medium to tell, to, you know, do their art, whatever it might be, you know? Right. Uh So, so yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that one. So that's kind of what I mean. So I saw this through this band and it's like, if you watch their, their years kind of go by and their albums go by, and then if you pay even a little bit more attention to their production sound, um, you can kind of see what I mean. They started in 2004, and then in 2006, they came out with their first album, which was this really kind of heavy, chunky sound, um, lots of like those screaming vocals and stuff like that. And that was just about to blow up, because I remember my first year of high school was 2009, I want to say. Jeez, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a special episode dedicated to just like how old is Chris Scott really? <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, high school in 2009. Anyways, yeah, my first my freshman year was 2009 and I remember that sort of sound was really blowing up during that time. But this band had already put out this album in 2006 that was so they were kind of already one of the people that you pointed to or you referred to when people on their MySpace was already on its way out or I think it was still around there and Facebook was starting to come up but like when people would still point to bands that was like the sound that they were referring to they were already pointing to this album that's been around since 2006 and already had a bunch of recognition strictly because it had already been out for some time right um after that they did another album that was more or less the same sound. I think it was with a different kind of producer, but that came out, I think, 2008. But the interesting thing that happened with this one is that, so 2008, 2009, that's when I'm going into high school. uh, And they did, I think, the very next year or something like that, they did a remix of that album. And they had electronic artists like remix their songs and one of those people for instance was Skrillex who at the time was not known but as we know now everybody knows who Skrillex is in fact we're we're living in post Skrillex time right but but there was that huge phase right right so that and and I can't pinpoint the time when the like electronic music really came up because it's not exactly my my genre I'm I'm not really that Um, but that was, they did that remix album in 2009. And I would have to say when I was at U of A, so 2012, 2013, Uh that's when electronic music really started coming up and blowing up. And that was all people were listening to. Right. And then music festivals cropped up out of nowhere. Yeah. That's around the time where like, there's this bar here in Tucson on fourth, the, uh, Bromalley's, O'Malley's, Uh I call it Bromalley's, but Bromalley's. They used to do a thing on Thursday nights where they would have a live cover band come in and play music. Mm-hmm. And it was always like 80s and Gentlemen or some Poison cover band. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. A lot of fun. Those, those bands were a lot of fun. They're fun. And like the rooms were always packed and people were always there like jamming out to uh, these cover bands. And this, mm-hmm. you know, they were great. And then just one year, they just switched to DJs. Really? Yeah. They just switched to DJs. And I think it's around that time where this is happening. 
Yeah, just all of a sudden, I and I, it's hard for me to pinpoint because again, it's not exactly the genre that I'm interested. Like, I'd be I'd be having way much more fun at an '80s cover band night. Like, yeah, yeah. For instance, I was actually just recently. Uh, do you remember um, Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield? I want to say. Of course, I remember Jesse's Girl. Yeah. He was recently in this music video with this other band that wrote a song that was like a part two to that song, Jesse's Girl. Oh, really? Wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's and awesome. Not really a big fan of the song in compare because I was comparing it to Jesse's Girl. And it's like, well, that was just a much better song. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, was, it, was, it was cool to see. Anyway, so yeah. So they were already ahead of the curve with um, this kind of electronic remix, you know, whatever. And they already had people on that album that nobody knew who the hell they were, but then that became uh, that that those people became the huge artists of that time of that electronic age, right? Uh, so it created this kind of interesting thing where you were transitioning from one genre to the next before it actually occurred, so that you would almost carry over relevancy from one set of years into the next set of years. Like they almost have this blending effect where they release this new sound and it gains popularity and they're massively popular still from their old album, kind of like carrying them through into the new album. Then they project a new sound that carries them through to the time of the next album. So you stay at this consistent level of popularity as opposed to a lot of bands who will uh, make some hit songs or something like that. That'll carry them for a time. Everyone forgets them for a little bit. So then they dip then they release the next album, and if it doesn't have a hit song, if it doesn't have a hit single, they're kind of done. It's over. Right, right. So they have this interesting effect of constantly cresting a wave and then moving on to the next sound that would pump up another big wave and kind of keep them in relevancy. Um, then there was this kind of uh, this album with this really long title that was super nondescript. I didn't listen to it all that much. It was kind of more of just like a rock album. And I think that that shows that people were getting kind of tired. People were still in the electronic music phase. I, I think guitar music had kind of gone out, like phased out for a little while, um, much to uh, my chagrin because I prefer uh, like guitar driven music and stuff like that. Yeah, that's when like uh, Guitar Hero was out and DJ Hero was in. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, people exactly. bought a really cheap spin table for some reason. <laughs> yeah and it's like i feel like people you know wanted to be less of you know a rock star and kind of wanted to be more of like oh i'm a dj who plays these crazy music festivals and stuff like that anyways so then that this kind of brings us to like the 2015 so like the mid uh what would you call the mid teens and then pushing close to the 20s they evolved in this kind of like softer rock style um and and now have put out stuff that's really like a blend like the music that's coming out now from them is really just a blend of a lot of different genres and a lot of different styles you can almost see like hip-hop elements to it in beat creation but then mixed with their kind of like rock style that they, I, I don't know it's it's super interesting super weird stuff they're bringing in a lot of other artists from a lot of different genres so again like hip-hop artists uh, but then also some electronic artists, but then also some like older rock artists. And they're kind of bringing in all these different people to make this kind of menagerie sort of sound, which I think reflects what's happening now, right? Like we have a lot of pe different people are listening to a lot of different styles of music. Hip hop and rock has never been more connected. We have artists like Machine Gun Kelly, who used to just be a rapper, is now making... Blink-182 music. Like, it legitimately sounds just like Blink-182, that kind of 90s pop punk, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so we kind of have this crossover effect, and weirdly, they were already there. They were already doing this kind of crossover music back in 2016, 2017, leading us into the 20s. So these were kind of the things that I was seeing happening, and I was kind of curious from, from both a entrepreneur sort of standpoint, but then also a creative standpoint. I was wondering what your take would be on, you know, how do you feel about being quote unquote trendy? Do you want to be a part of a trend? Obviously you'd prefer to set one, but, but also that promotes kind of a, a level of risk. They could have, this band could have started with their electronic sound. And if electronic music didn't take off, it would have been, you know, a suicide note. Right. They would have been done or they would have, 
done something else that was crazy. Because right. it seems it, like they do that every few years. It seems like they pivot and they do a really good job of that. So I think that that's also just like personal style. But but what do you think? Do you think that there's value in being trendy or uh, or do you kind of look for more substance or a blend of the two? Well, I think what it is, I guess it's I guess it depends on what your end goals are. Do you want to be popular or do you want to be, uh, I guess, successful? Are those two mm-hmm. different things? Because I, I feel like it's like talking about TikTok. I feel like a lot of people that have a lot of followers, all they do is mimic other people's videos. I think that's mm-hmm. what TikTok is. Mm-hmm. They just make up weird dances and then they get a million other kids to do the same dance, which is insane. Right. But but being, I think, like I, I feel like trends kind of are like a quick, quick. They're quick. They're not. They're mm-hmm. not long lasting. Like you don't. I don't remember. What was trendy ten years ago? Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I I couldn't. I can't think of anything. But you know, but there's things. You were a sophomore in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I can't, I can't even think of what was trendy back then, and uh, just maybe it was Snapchat. Maybe that dog face filter. I don't know. Uh, you know, I, weirdly enough, and and this kind of the. It blows my mind that you put it that way because what's interesting to me is I don't think the dog face filter was even around in 2010. Like, I think that's more recent than that. That's uh, crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll Google that on the Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> when, did, when did the dog face filter come out of Snapchat? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think but, you're... But there, you're are, but there are some things that happen that you do that, that like outlast the moment that they're not so much timeless. They're just, they're, uh, well, well, I guess what, what that naturally would leave me, lead me to kind of question is, do we ever know if our efforts are going to be just a flash in the pan trend that we're, you know, hitting the life blood of, but then that'll die off after some point in time. Or do we have indications that maybe something would be a larger sort of movement? If you look at the history of this band, you would think that they they must know something we don't, or they can spot something we don't, right? Because they're only dedicating themselves to these like big pushes in music that end up, you know, at first people don't understand what they're doing with their new sound. Like, wow, this sounds nothing like their previous album. Aren't they gonna lose fans who like their previous album? But then it it takes off in a massive way as they broaden their uh, audience base, they pull in more people from all around and they just keep putting out, you know, chart topping album after chart topping album. So do we know when something is going to be a little bit more than just a quick, you know, in and out trend? Or is that, would you say that that's just lucky guesswork? That's a, that's a very good question. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's really loaded because Obviously, if you and I could do a good job of predicting trends or, or, or at least knowing when things were just like a, a flash in the pan trend versus like a complete movement, I think you and I would be a lot wealthier right now. <laughs> I think I think that'd be the case. The, the flash in the, the pan trend is definitely uh, I think it's easy to spot because you see uh, like desperate people doing it. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, like you can see fake people doing it. You can tell that it's not genuine, it's not real, and it's not something that can really resonate with someone on a, on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about, let's say, uh, do you, you ever watch YouTube? Are you ever on YouTube not watching uh, CinemaSins? Oh, yeah. Do you ever watch other <laughs> videos besides CinemaSins? I, I'm going to level with you. I think I'm kind of over CinemaSins uh, these days, but uh, I'm on YouTube quite fre- frequently. It's actually my favorite medium right now there's uh there's some videos that have been popping up in my algorithm for some reason it's it's reaction videos yes you know what i'm talking about it's like teenagers listen to aerosmith for the first time right yep or to queen for the first time yep and you can see them have this uh like reaction to it that i'm sure they would have had if they listened to it when it first came out in the Mm -hmm. 70s or 80s or something Mm -hmm. so i do think there's something to speak to that where it's more of a a genuine creation versus something you know is kind of just throw away fluff. Mm, okay. So something that actually is something that has substance versus something that just has like fluff. Cause I do think there's something to be said about, uh, 
like story. I think there's story in all these things. There's stories and songs. There's story mm-hmm. in in a person's creation process. There's a story there that people can relate to and and connect with. But if you do something like like the hip hop dance on TikTok and you're just mm-hmm. mimicking someone for 30 seconds, it's like and now you're just looking for the next one. You're not really you're just like trying to fill some time. You're just trying to kill some time. You're not looking for that connection that really drives you forward. It's like people that love like six year olds that watched the Phantom Menace when it first came out, they think it's that's the greatest Star Wars series mm-hmm, out of all mm-hmm. three. And it's because it's what they connected with the most at a younger age and there's that nostalgia with it. Yeah. 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 No, that's that's actually very true. And that that's kind of what drives me up the wall with TikTok. And that's why, you know, and I'm totally biased. You everyone, you know, listening, take everything that I say with a huge grain of salt, you know, whatever. But that's kind of what my problem is with TikTok on the whole. Not necessarily, there are some people who use TikTok in a really interesting kind of innovative way that make things. Like, for instance, um, there's that, you know, thing on TikTok these days that I see a lot where people, or like on Instagram stories, where they like flip a shoe and then they jump cut that to them like wearing like a whole different outfit. Yeah, man. That's so cool. Yeah, it's like... (laughs) That's actually, well, not that that's cool, but it's like, that's them like using that specific medium of how, you know, uh, you film, you stop, you cut, you film, you know, whatever it's like, that's it's a very basic kind of thing, but it's like, they're creating, they created a new way to use this kind of generic like camera tool that Mm -hmm. they, you know, they actually did something that was kind of cool. But then you see that video a hundred thousand times out of just a bunch of different people doing it. And it's kind of the same thing with the dances, right? Like I'm sure somebody at first was like, oh, cool, here's like TikToks are 10 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever, so I'm going to use that time to be dancing on it. And then it just became this thing where everybody is reposting the same dance or the same thing. And so to me, it's just the whole medium just was a, a kind of churn and burn sort of thing where it's like you you have a 15-second, so you just keep swiping through 15-second clip after 15-second clip, and it's just volumes of just you know, maybe one interesting thing and a sea of bullshit. Right. And that's kind of my issue with, with you know, that. And that's kind of my issue with the trendiness of it, of it all, too, because let's not even just think about TikTok. I don't want to just pick on the generation younger than me uh, and be like, all oh, their stuff is bullshit, because I'm pretty sure that's what, you know, generations prior to mine do. <laughs> but yes, I can do it. I'm older. I can do that. <laughs> but it's. To me, it's sort of like I had the same sort of thing with electronic music. There are some people who are actually doing something that's interesting and, you know, makes me, you know, music ultimately is supposed to make you feel something. And some of that electronic music does that. And then a lot of it is just, you know, incomprehensible transformer noises where it's like it seems like the goal is to just be the loudest or the most, which now I know I sound like an old person, right? Because now I'm saying like, ah, the music these days (laughs) is so loud. They play it so late. Yeah, exactly. They're up all night and I'm trying to get my eight hours. Um, But but that's so that's kind of my thing with TikTok too is that I think that there has to be a blend of trendiness and substance otherwise it just becomes empty calorie and it loses all of its efficaciousness. Right. It's kind of like when I was uh probably in high school when all the um iPods came out and the mm-hmm. Zooms and the all those mm-hmm. things it, mm-hmm. like we were getting away from CDs to get to this brick of hard drive that plays right. music all the time, right. you know? And then as the years went by, it's, you know, things got faster and quicker on the internet. We had vines and we had Instagrams and we had just post a picture. Uh-huh. You know, we're not just, we're not doing blog posts anymore. We're posting 140 characters. Yeah. You know, it's, or whatever it was, whatever it was before it's whatever it is now, 240. I think it's 250 now and it used to be 140. And so it's like, uh, it's, it seems like we were like the trend of, people's consumption was getting quick and not tangible, kind of just like mm-hmm. magical in the air that you can't really grasp. Mm-hmm. And it's now it seems to be trending back towards things that are tangible, like LPs sell more often than anything else, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's interesting, actually. So, so you might see the crest of a trend that then dies out and then crests again. It might be more of a lasting thing. Right, and I wonder if it's a cyclical thing, if it's like... Let's say, you know, uh, cassette tapes are going to come back and then mm-hmm. CDs are going to come back and then nothing's going to come back. 
just air. Things are just going to play out of your AirPods because yeah, and because your AirPods can hold a million songs now, which is insane. Right. We might not even need the device anymore. Then, then we've just got the the pods themselves. That's yeah. That's I mean, so that kind of begs the question. As a as a creator, are you trying to be? Do you spot a trend that you actually want to kind of uh, be creating on, or do you want to be doing something a little bit more timeless that would then maybe maybe have cyclical appeal? I I I feel like I'd want to get something that's more timeless, and I I try to do more when I do movies and I try to make them more broad in a sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not trying to make like uh, a memento here or. A tenant here that's like yeah. very, very uh, into itself and just very specific for a specific yep. audience, you know. Yep, yep. Uh, I try to do broader stories that appeal to more people, but still has that uh, emotional story that people can connect with. Mm -hmm. You know, the themes and the and the story arcs and the character journeys and all that stuff. I do feel like that's important. But in regards to trends and stuff, I have no idea. I've never really thought about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's probably like a healthy balance of the two, right? Because in a, in a sense, like memes have become super popular. Like I remember there used to just be a couple sites for that kind of material. Like, do you remember that? Um, that was directly for me. It was directly out of high school and into college. So, oh, wait, did I go to college in 2009? Yeah. You know what? I think I'm, you know what? I'm wrong. My freshman year of high school was not 2009. That was my freshman year of college. My freshman year of high school was uh, then 2005-ish, oh. 2004. Okay. You know what? My whole timeline from earlier this episode was completely wrong, I'm realizing. My freshman year of college was 2009. All right, we got to start over. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Anyways, um, but I remember there used to be a couple sites where memes were a thing, and like they really sort of originated on Reddit before people were familiar with what Reddit was. Like before the the name AMA like meant anything to anyone. Like now my company holds AMAs to for for the executive you know team to be like talking to the rest. I have to keep my computer from overheating, so I'm like moving it around. <laughs> um, uh, what is but, what is an AMA? I it's an ask me anything. Ask so me it, anything. I, I yeah. kind of knew what that meant, but not really. So it's like, for instance, you would, uh, if you were approved for it, you would post on the AMA channel and be like, my name's Chris Scott. I'm a filmmaker in Tucson, Arizona. I've made features such as Addie Mummy, A Love Story, and, uh, you know, Good Cop, Mom Cop, etc. Ask me anything. And then people would probably ask you questions about, like, Bill Gates did one, and it was all about, like, you know, oh, vaccines and, plant, you know, <laughs> like, it, it went berserk, like, real quick. Wow. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, but but uh, I remember when I was my first year in college or like leaving high school, I remember memes were a relatively new thing and they pretty much existed on kind of these outskirts of the Internet. So Reddit, 4chan um, and things like that. The site 9gag, which has been around for a long time. And then before you know it, they exploded. And now they're almost a communication tool. We have right now a board game that's called What's Your Meme, which is where people can relate an image to it's like it's basically cards against humanity. But you you deal cards based on what you like the, the phrase that most corresponds with the meme picture. Uh -huh. So it's like we actually now and, and for instance, what what you're doing with Elephant Scout right now is like you're creating memes out of your own movies. You know what I mean? It's, it's a communication tool. It's a little bit bigger than a flash in the pan trend. So. You know, it kind of uh, right. It's like a, it's like the new emoji. It's like a new way of communicating and just a single image as opposed to writing out a whole sentence. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's just like emojis. So, you know, it's, it's like I think you do have this blended style, and I think that that's kind of the interesting thing. That's what kind of made me want to kind of like pick your brain about it because it's you've got this really interesting blended style where the films that you're making are very classic in a sense or very classically appealing. But you're also branching out and trying kind of like novel forms of uh, social media marketing and whatever to draw in an audience. Uh, so I, I just thought that was super interesting that like kind of the blending of those two styles. Um, and, and I got to tell you, because that's that's the thing that I thought was so uh, remarkable when we watched um, uh, Drift. Drift, right? Downshift? Downshift. Why did I say Drift? Because you were just watching... Fast and Furious 3, Tokyo Drift. Yeah, clearly. 
<laughs> yeah, clearly I was I was just watching Fast and Furious. But uh, no, that was that was the thing that I think really um, stood out to me in watching Downshift is that Downshift has this moment, and I would never know what to call it because I'm not a filmmaker, nor am I really a good film watcher. I love movies, but I don't know anything about them, basically. But Downshift, or the movie formerly known as Downshift, now known as Drift. Now known um, as Drift. <laughs> we're gonna, you'll do a re-release and call it Drift. Um, has this moment on it when uh, Matteo finally picks up the bike and revs it up and is getting it going again. Uh-huh. Uh, at that point, watching it in the audience, it was exactly what you're feeling on the inside, but was just like outside. Like people were like, fuck yeah. Like, all right, this is. Yeah, that was know, a like, weird moment. People were cheering and stuff. Yeah, people were actively cheering. And it's like you see that moment in movies. And that's what I mean about substance versus like a, a flash in the pan trend. Right. right because right. we felt that moment, you know, all the time in movies when uh, Apollo Creed was beating the shit out of Rocky and everyone's telling him to stay down. Even his own corner is like, you're done. You're done. Like let's, but he's just some dumb punchy fighter, you know, whatever. And he gets up and Apollo Creed like looks at him like, Oh my God, this guy's getting up again. You get that same feeling. Like that's that same downshift feeling. You know what I mean? So that's been going on for a long time. So your, your films almost have this sort of classic sort of, we're using the same, Ah, like, how do I say what I mean? Like, it's not a flash in the pan trendiness. It's all about connected storytelling because basically downshift, what it plays on is that like, I'm sure there are times when you've felt, you know, beaten down and, and broken and maybe you can't do this thing that, you know, you used to love or maybe you don't know who you are anymore without, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like all these kind of story elements. And then really at the end, like that hero's journey you know, because that's that's the downshift story is that like he discovers himself in a sense. I believe available I'm, available on Amazon Prime. Available on Amazon. Incredible story. You got to watch it. Um, it's got it's got some cool. Uh, uh, what do you call those pyrotechnics? Sure, sure. There's pyrotechnics. In <laughs> it's it. got some cool pyrotechnics in it too. Um, but yeah, basically. Um, so so that moment was very was very. Uh, classic i guess you could say or like the writing in there is very classic and very connected really makes people feel connected to the story but then also being willing to sort of pivot your style and say okay how do younger audiences hear about their stuff well first of all you're not selling dvds of uh of eddie mummy right you're you're putting it as a digital stream so that's number one and then number two uh is, is, you know, you're going to market it through like memes, which are the way that people communicate things by now. And like both, both advertisements and just like personal stuff and all kinds of things are communicated through memes. So I thought it was interesting that you use this sort of blended style to, to do that. Is that something that you do intentionally or was that something that just kind of comes up? I think it was more of an experiment. I think so. Um, what happened when we uh, got a social media manager, mm-hmm. we kind of got her audience with us. Mm. And so there's this, especially, I think I need to have this talk with her at some point. This, uh, I've implied it, but I've never like said it straight to her face that we should talk about this, but it's, uh, your audience is connected to you, social media person, but not to elephant scout. So yes, you were, Mm. you know, helpful and, you know, building our following a little bit, but now we need to introduce them to this elephant scout thing. And so what's the best way to communicate with people nowadays? It's through these these trendy posts, it's these mm-hmm. memes, it's these videos, it's these, you know, dances or whatever. I mean, yeah. uh, so that's, that's where that came from. It was, it was a lot of experimenting and trying to figure out how to communicate with the, this audience that we have, this new audience that we're building. And so our numbers are going up and we just got to figure out how to continue that engagement and keeping them on board with what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Because I, I do think with the content we create, like the substance of it is classic is a good word. It's timeless. It's something that's, you know, you have, you have visceral reactions to them because you yeah. just relate to them sub, subconsciously or uh, there's subtext there. And it's yeah. not just uh, fluff entertainment, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing that we could even say about the movie Lagan, right? Like, who, first of all, I don't even know how old that movie is. Second of all, it's from India. It's not even made here. But you feel the same thing, right? You feel that connectedness to that, the poor villagers, 
uh, as opposed to, and you're just like, man, they're going to, despite not knowing the game and despite, you know, the British team kind of cheating and doing a lot of dirty stuff, it's like when they finally get in and start to like turn the game around, it, it makes you feel something, right? Exactly. It's like, uh, like Little Giants or mm. uh, the Mighty Ducks, you know, it's, it's like, or Karate Kid, you know, it's yeah. like, it's that yep. sports movie feeling that gives you that, that, uh, you know, that cheer, that makes you cheer, that makes you happy, that you're cheering for the underdog. It's like Rocky. It's basically Rocky too. Yeah. Uh, not Rocky. Yeah, Rocky too, because he wins in Rocky too. He loses He, win, he actually wins in Rocky yeah, too. It seems like they it. alternated every movie. Yeah, something like that. Rocky Four. It's mostly like Rocky Four. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but, but even like Lagan, it's, it's, it's uh, feeding something that we all can relate to. And I think that's where, mm-hmm. you know, if you go back to like classic texts with, from the Greeks and Socrates and the Bible, even mm-hmm. it's like they all tell basic stories that can be translated or updated to modern times, and people can still relate to those stories because they're there's just something about them that people connect to. Yeah, and and that is probably I think better said than you know that probably explains this difference between flash in the pan trends and this sustainable sort of like enjoyment or, you know, whatever you would call it, because there's nothing to connect to a TikTok dance. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be something that if we go five years from now and if the medium is kind of gone, like if people stop using TikTok the way that people stopped using MySpace, if you show somebody a video um, of of a TikTok dance, they'll just be like, okay, I I don't think I get it. Right. Whereas if you show me Rocky... Even though, uh, when did that movie come out? That was a solid 80s movie, right? Rocky, the first one I think came out in 79. No shit. Okay, yeah. so 79. I can still watch a movie from 79 and get fired up to go to the gym today. You know what I mean? Like, I will still watch that movie and it will make me feel something and make me feel a connection today. Rocky 2 was 79. Oh my God. Rocky 1 was 76, yeah. <sighs> wow. Okay. But the point still remains like that even more makes the point, right? Is that like these legitimate, you know, sort of, um, I I guess quality over anything else then is something that really stands the test of time. And that's something that, you know, we end up seeing in, uh, and, and I think that, you know, I'm not trying to compare you to Christopher Nolan, but I think that because you brought him up, there's, there's a little bit of a mixture there, right? He also kind of, and I would say, um, who's the guy who did uh, Avatar? James Cameron. James Cameron. I think they both are guys who do like a mixture of substance and feeling and like timelessness, but then also do a little bit of trendiness, right? right. Like, like uh, I'm pretty sure uh, uh, I, I was just talking about him, not James Cameron, now the other one. Christopher Nolan? Yes. I'm pretty sure Christopher Christopher Nolan invented that trend that now then was for in a, in a long time of trailers, even still sometime today, that... Right, like yeah, 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 for sure, for My sure. My God, that was everywhere for a while. Like, that was yeah. in then um, the, the Star Trek movie that came out around that time also had that sound, and, like, everything had that sound for a while, right? Yep. Um, so there is, like, a little bit of that flash-in-the-pan trendiness, but it's backed by a certain level of like, you know, real classic, timeless um, value and feeling. And so that's that's kind of, I think, maybe the the dif- difference that I was trying to pin down under this, where it's like, um, and, and that's what we see in this band that's now been around for 16 years. And that's hopefully what we see in like the creations that we're trying to make. I was thinking about this and relating it back to, you know, uh, flow role because the back like my of course interest is martial arts and i wanted to push that into being a martial arts thing and martial arts are super hot right now right we've got the ufc you know we've got like people finally have accepted that as a mainstay sport whereas people kind of went from boxing but that never had the same level of interest i think like it had a I think it did inter- back in the day right exactly that like Back in the 80s, especially, and 90s, I think that boxing was really, really popular. But then as time has gone on into the thousands, less and less people give a shit. Like, I think that that's 
Right. Like nobody can name right now, nobody can name me the champion of any belt. And that's also because boxing has a million different belts, like depending on which organization it is. Right. And it's like nobody can name a single one of them. But people knew the Vander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, like those those people are like, you know, so I think that martial arts are big and popular and or, or like are popular in a big way right now. But that was sort of what I was thinking about my own project was how do I get a timelessness or a like consistent value out of this as opposed to just, you know, ride this trend? I think you're on your way there because your intention behind flow roll is not to have a it's not a quick scheme, not a quick grab at money. It's not a Mm -hmm. money money grab scheme. It's not a pyramid scheme. It's not a. You know, if I could not, turn it into a pyramid scheme, I sure would love to, though. <laughs> right. It's you're not uh, hopping on board with these uh, whatever's trending. You know, you're not making ads on Instagram to sell it for four dollars and have right. it manufactured in China for 30 cents, you know, just <laughs> right. You know, something like that, uh, because it sounds like the intention behind the product is to help you with your progress in the art of martial Right. In the, the art martial, of martial. <laughs> the martial arts. And so it, it seems like that intention is it's going to resonate with people more because you're focusing on making yourself better, which I think is what everyone's doing that works hard in that sport does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe then that also would express some universality. You know what I mean? That like, I don't even have to be a a good storyteller or something like that to know when these movies are really like connecting to me and and connecting with their audience. Um, Like I'm trying to think of, um, oh yeah, that's when it happened. Back when movie theaters were still a thing, uh, which some are coming back, very excited. Um, in fact, I might tonight go see Tenet at the uh, at the drive-in. Ah, so uh, uh. pretty stoked about that. Um, but uh, back when movie theaters were still a thing, I remember uh, the movie um, Get Out. Okay, and that one had a super big like. I, I, that was seemed. Like really like a big movie, Uh, not in terms of like a blockbuster, because it wasn't that. I don't think it was like a summer blockbuster, lots of effects and, you know, whatever. But um, the audience, like we all were all at the same place. You know what I mean? We all. And I remember the scene specifically um, that I realized this and it was near the tail end of the movie. So spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen Get Out. But then honestly, if you haven't seen Get Out by now, it's like you're not going to because you haven't done it yet. When's going to be the time? So I'm just yeah, going to go ahead and... It's been like six years, hasn't it? Has it really? Uh, it's been three years. I apologize. Okay. I was like, six years? <laughs> um, but uh, And actually, this doesn't really give that much about the plot. But basically, there's um, the end of the movie when uh, the, the main guy is fighting with uh, his girlfriend, who is now not his girlfriend, like the somebody else's consciousness has been plugged in there and uh-huh. he's grappling with her and he finally throws her off or hit, you know, whatever. And he's getting up and you see the shot of him. It's not even uh, like a shot of a car arriving or anything, but you see the red and blue lights flashing. And we all knew why all of a sudden we were anxious again, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody in the theater knew and, and the tension all rose in the seats that like, we thought this guy was, getting out as the title of the movie would suggest. Right. And then here comes this new, this new stimulus. We're not even seeing a car approach and we know what we're thinking. Right. And, uh, that just kind of expressed to me that, that, you know, there's like communicating something like that, even just through an image or even through, you know, something like that, that was just, it, it ties into something a little bit deeper in it. And it wasn't just this flash in the pan, you know, whatever. It was like really bringing together everyone's emotions and everyone's thoughts into a singular kind of way. It was really kind of interesting how that occurs. So that's that's kind of what I am trying to get out of, out of like, in whatever way I could, because I'm not telling a story and I'm not trying to do whatever, but I'm trying to bring around the same, like, thoughts and feelings and whatever that... I guess maybe you're, you don't even necessarily want to improve on martial arts or whatever, but the idea that you want to optimize yourself and be at your peak and like, you know, perform your best and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's timeless. That's classic. That's not a trend. That's not something that people will buy t- today and, you know, forget about tomorrow. I feel like that's consistent. Right. And I, and I do think that's the story though. That's the part of the story is you on that journey of bettering yourself is something that everyone 
that aligns with that story can relate to. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm always trying to better myself as well. So, oh, this is this does this, this does that. Those are things I need to work on. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So, you know, just kind of keeping that in mind, and, and that was just something that occurred to me when I was listening to this band that I hadn't listened to in a long time and realizing that they had completely changed in sound, and uh, but that they've been on the Billboard charts for, you know, a decade now, which is it's, pretty impressive. It, it sounds like they haven't changed, but the way they present their material has changed. That's the thing that's on uh, trend, or that's the thing that's setting trends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the idea of figuring out what the new trend or the next trend is going to be is uh, crazy. Yeah, so so you think it's a fool's errand to try and like predict trendiness. You think that that's, it's basing yourself in timeless kind of classic sort of connections with your audience, but then maybe pivoting your approach every now and then to keep things fresh. Possibly, yeah. I mean, the thing that's going to make them timeless is their the content of their music, right? Mm-hmm. And even if it does evolve over the years, you could probably still get something out of the first albums that you can from the latest albums. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. don't know. Or maybe they've grown and matured and, you know, done all that stuff that musicians do. But but to keep in aligned with people, you, you have to change the way they consume things. And that's the hard part is to figuring out how people are consuming what you're putting mm. out there. Yeah. That's interesting. So I guess kind of final question or, or maybe final question, <laughs> we'll see. But how does that kind of inform how you think about maybe maybe not your next film, but the one after that, or, or actually to this point for your next film, because now given that COVID has kind of shaken up timelines for a lot of different stuff, mm-hmm. you know, how does that kind of make you feel about your next film, like how you're going to present it? What is your current experience with streaming over uh, Amazon? You know, like, like how does that all, how do you reflect on that and kind of think about moving forward with your brand and with your platform and everything like that? I think uh, what we, we made a list of movies we want to make. So there's a lot of movies there. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I don't know if that's uh, like a uh, cop out because we're kind of, we like <laughs> threw everything on the wall and we'll see. We just, you know, work on whatever is popular at the time. Or I don't know if we're going to mm-hmm. be doing that, but we're probably not going to be doing that. <laughs> you know, we made, uh, uh, we picked three that we really wanted to make and then we picked up backups for that. We picked backups. So we have six on like tier one and then tier two has another six and then tier three is just a hodgepodge of everything else. (laughs) But it's, it's, I don't know. I think what's going to happen with those, it's they're going to align with what elephant scout has been trying to do with our mission statement. Mm. And we have to talk about this. I have another uh, bonus podcast we need to talk about. Oh my God. I did a ancestry.com DNA test and I got my results. It was mind boggling. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, I'm a little upset about it, but whatever. I'm over it, but I'm not. We'll talk about it later. Uh, yeah, let's let's have a Chris Scott origin story. <laughs> let's do one of those. But I, I think because our intentions are to tell these diverse stories in a different way, the stories we want, like we have a musical on the list, and so our mm-hmm. ideas for the musical is to do something that is unique and not really. Uh, like it can be cliche, I guess. I mean, there is a formula to musicals and we're probably going to follow that formula, but the way we're going to present it is going to be something more uh, unique. Mm-hmm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have more of a Tucson twist to it. Mm. You know, like just like how we're making this Dirty Harriet movie. It's like we're making an action movie with an old lady. So it's like, I think we're playing on that idea of classic stories, but trying to be uh, with the times or maybe two steps ahead of the times. I mean, yeah, if Hollywood were to like, th- like, it's crazy to think that this summer was supposed to be like the summer of like female blockbuster movies. I mean, really? we were supposed to have like wonder woman was supposed to come out. Mm-hmm. Black widow was coming out. Mm-hmm. Mulan came out. Uh, there's something else that was coming out. Maybe I don't know, but that's, those are like three really big movies in a genre that's been, you know, around since 2008. Yeah. They're all superhero movies. And so, and they all were female led and they're all supposed to happen this summer, but then the pandemic mm. hit. So we couldn't really see how, uh, how audiences would have received that. And if that would have really changed how Hollywood makes movies from here on out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it takes Hollywood two years to make a movie basically. So if someone's like, you need more diversity in your movies. It's going to take two years to catch up to that. Right. We're only going to see that kind of bubble 
you know, after, after like a little lapse period of time, like the, the voice of customer, I guess we could say, isn't immediately echoed by the product because it takes a long time to make these massive movies. Right. And, and they only make so many and they don't, they don't, they don't take a chance on what could be the next one. They, they take a chance on what is happening right now in the moment, even though it mm. might sometimes be two years behind, but it might, it's hard to predict what's happening two years in the future because it takes two years to make a movie. Damn, I, I didn't even think about that really, but that's got to actually, then that's really frustrating about kind of this summer's movies because essentially we are, like it's going to be till next year to even get any data on what may have been thoughts and feelings a few years back. Exactly, and that data is going to be so uh, irrelevant to their formulas and patterns that they have stuck in their heads because there's not a box office anymore. There's not... It's like, oh, did it open number one? Did it uh, draw in? Did it make its money back? We're not going to be able to tell all that mm-hmm. because of this. And so the fact that they did take a chance on making these three giant movies with these female-led characters, that, you know, spending hundreds of millions of dollars on these I'm movies. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to be harder to take another chance on it in the future because they don't know what they're going to, they have lost, they're probably all going to lose money. All these movies are going to lose money, mm. which is insane, yeah. But uh, it's hard. It's hard. You know, I it's it's I really don't know. I don't know what to say about trends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting because you kind of need it. I think of them as super fickle. Right. But at the same time, you need a little bit of it to to just capture like a little bit of broadening out that audience's attention. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. but if it's backed by something, I don't think that necessarily using trendiness is is a bad thing, um, because sometimes being first to market is the most important thing. Uh, and sometimes not like, um, like I'm trying to think of a good example here, uh, of something that was like, I'm pretty sure MP, there were MP3 players out before the iPod, you know, that's started before, but I think the iPod was the one that hit connected with their audience the most and therefore stands the test of time. So I think that there's a little, there's, there's a mixture, there's a blend, right? You need a little bit of like flashiness or a little bit of trendiness to be on something that would grow awareness to your brand, to your product, to your, you know, promotion, but you still need substance to back it up. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, that is going to be, you know, the a tough, I, I think it's one of those things that's uh, easier said than done, right? Like you, of, of course, everyone knows that the, oh, the recipe obviously is to be like trendy or to be on the cusp of a trend, but then to uh, also have a lot of substance and content to back it up. But I think it's easier said than done. Um, but well, some, I, I do, I do think there's for. something to be said where if you do have something that's good, people are going to want it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, focusing on what you feel is good and what you can uh, like give, give your all. And I, I think that's going to show in whatever product you're creating versus trying to read what a million people are trying to mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. figure out i was listening to some political podcast and they were talking about uh voting is like uh, ordering a pizza for the entire country <laughs> yeah and you just end up with cheese pizza that is uh a really apt comparison i like that and so even though there's uh, like vegans out there that can't have cheese yeah so it's like you know it's it's hard to try and make something for everybody but if you make something for you that has that substance at the base of it, people will flock to it and relate and find their own way to relate to it. So you don't have to do that work for them. You just have to make sure they know it exists, which is the hard part. Yeah. And I think that this blends, this goes hand in hand, right? With that 1000 true fans, the Paul Graham essay where yeah. we're, it's like, it's all in, interconnected. Uh, super, super interesting. Um, you got anything to anything to plug? I know you're on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment. Eddie Mummy just got uh, pulled off your off your docket. So what's uh, what's going on in the Chris Scott universe? I think right now we're just gonna just check out our Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at Elephant Scout. Sweet Elephant Scout. Um, let's see. I might have a fun video. It depends on if we can get it edited down. Uh, uh, like super preliminary video. Nothing. Um, necessarily that we would even use for marketing materials or anything like that. But I have a video of um, like a testing scenario that now we can maybe post because 
uh, gyms are actually allowed to be open in Arizona again. So uh, before myself going to the jiu-jitsu gym and doing stuff with uh, some of my, my pals out there was not something that I would be putting on the social media. But now that that is, um, we had uh, uh, just a fun talk about uh, nootropics and things like that in correlation with jujitsu. Then was like in a video that we're kind of cutting down. It's kind of crappy at the moment, so I'm going to try and work that out. <laughs> but uh, that might be on the gram itself. I might have a conversation with Chris Scott about social media presence and separating accounts because you've kept Focus Scout and Elephant Scout separate and I'm wondering if that's something I should do but I also wonder if I'm too preliminary in the process. These are all things we're working out but if you want to follow me on Instagram and see uh, that sort of stuff uh, it's at Atish Mazish A-T-I-S-H-M-A-Z-I-S-H 